Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Josh Brown, it is 4.35 p.m. on a Thursday, and we've realized that we're going to be off tomorrow because our ridiculous owners are mandating some time (laughs) off, the weirdos. I know. It just so happens to coincide with the early access of Starfield as well. (laughs) Can't believe they do that to me. Oh, it's actually this. At some point, we have to end the English sarcasm because you are (laughs) going to be actually playing Starfield. Maybe by midnight tonight, probably by tomorrow morning. Um, But either way, I should uh, qualify, quantify, explain that Mr. Jules Gill is away and the Untitled Battle Podcast, the UBP, the UBP. The, the UBP. UBP is being picked up by myself and Josh Brown, but I wouldn't want anyone else here anyway. There's a certain tier of human that uh, ticks that box, and I'm glad he's here. You know what I'm laughing about, right? Because Go I on. always notice that when I'm on this show, <laughs> I always drag the episodes out to about an hour long just because I love doing it so much. And I'm like, Scott, another question, another I've got question. More things to say. And I always laugh when the ones with you and Jules are like a crisp 35. So sorry for always bloating those out. But this time, we're actually going to have to stick to a pretty tight schedule because, like you say, we're filming right at the end of the day. But you are right. I want to just say, by the way, I didn't realize I could play Starfield tomorrow. Like you said, we had this day off. And I thought it was going to just drop next week. And then I heard rumblings of an early access. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe nobody got in touch to tell me. It's because it's 35 more pounds. Yeah, it's only... I see that as a win. If you got Game Pass, it's only £35 to play it early, but you also get the expansion. You essentially pre-order that. Yeah. And to me, that's cheapest. Oh. Well, it's not cheap as chips, but considering I would have paid £70 for Starfield, I'm kind of happy oh. to pay it. I don't know how much the DLC is going to be. The thing is, by the time this goes live, this will be on Friday, so many, many more people might already be playing. But yeah, I don't know how much the Starfield DLC is going to be anyway um, to say that it could be £35 worth. You're just paying for a few days' worth of earliness. It's it's industry BS and it, I won't stand for it. It is. Normally I wouldn't do it, but when it's your most excited, most anticipated game of the year mm. and when you've got a day off, I can't say no to that. And when I'm going to have some money for trading in Armored Core 6, <laughs> I can't say no to that. You're not wrong. I tell you what you can't say no to is the lovely people who have sent in their questions. We just sort of rounded up. We always have an overflow of questions, which I'm so, so glad that we have every week, but I always feel sorry for the people that we can't, don't have time to get to. And then I don't want to not, you know, ask for the most latest breaking questions, thoughts and etc. whatever every you know every every given week so in a way it's quite nice to sort of dive back in and pick the different questions and talk points that we missed in previous weeks which means we can get some more stuff overall it really is it's genuinely guttering when you do one of these episodes and you just realize how many questions good questions because you're all lovely people i know i know it's amazing because i'm pleased we can finally have an excuse to go back and uh, pick some (laughs) of these up but yeah, please enjoy the sweaty, slightly rushed energy of us doing this at the end of the day, because we don't want to miss a slot. God damn it. I don't want to miss an entitled band a slot or a podcast slot of any given week. So um, we always dive into whatever the latest questions, talking points are in the industry. So question from SGFC Greg, who says, if you had as much time as you wanted away from work commitments, etc., which franchise would you play through from front to back? Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy, of course it would be. Um, That's absolutely top of the list. Close Uh second is the Yakuza games slash Judgment. (laughs) Both of those franchises, obviously, 
decades spanning at this point. Oh. Final Fantasy more so than Yakuza slash like a dragon. See, I, uh, I took this more as a what would you like to revisit again in like a bubble. Like ah. it, there's not, I don't think there's any big franchises that are completely etched out of my mind. I think I've dabbled in everything. You've done everything. I think I have. Yeah. I don't think I'm missing anything huge. I would take this to go through all the Metal Gears in a row. Oh, I would oh, do them oh, in oh. canonical order, not release order. Would you so do I, the MSX games and the NES games? Oh you have no! You got all the time in the world now. I, I mean, I don't want no. That would make. I'd rather go back to work in that case. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to touch the old MSX games. They've not aged very well. I'm thinking more that I'd start with uh, Metal Gear Solid Three, but I would do, um, oh, okay. you know, Peace Walker and uh, Metal Gear, then Metal Gear Solid Five, and you'd do all, the, all those things in order, and you would end with Metal Gear Solid Four the, at the end of the. No, you wouldn't. You'd end with Metal Gear Revengeance. You would Rising Revengeance at the very end of the timeline. But I'm not playing those 2D ones. As much as I love Mr. Kojima, I I can't touch them. Might be sacrilegious. Religious, but oh. I don't know if I could do Peace Walker. I've still never finished that game. What? I tried to play it. I had the it same is issue that I had with Crisis Core. You mm. know, there's something about PSP games being transferred to a home console that I can't get my head around. Well, uh, I just didn't like the bite-sized nature of PSP games back then. It it killed me with Crisis Core, which <laughs> I wouldn't play if I was doing all the Final Fantasy games, by the and way. And yet that's, you're an Armored Core fan. Off. I know, that's, that's bite-sized missions. in it. Like, Armored Core... Is, is their missions are made for like a, a, a console, right? Yes. Whereas the missions on Peace Walker, as good as they are, and um, Crisis Core, mm. they're made for a handheld. It's just a little bit different Ooh, in my I eyes. I don't know if it is, but it's okay because we have more questions and things to talk can about. I quickly, yes. uh, just explain you the can. Final Fantasy thing because yes. you know both that and Yakuza. Like I said, like every game kind of clocks in around like what thirty to forty hours. I'll try doubling that. Well, well yeah, if I'm doing everything, <laughs> I suppose, or even if not, I'll try doubling that. Oh, even then, that. some of them are lengthy boys. According to how long to beat, which I check so regularly for. Uh, Judgment as well and mm. lost judgment. It's like forty hours for the main campaign, right? And I just wish I had you know a year off because <laughs> I can play all of them back to back without feeling like a little bit burnt out or feeling like I need to jump into something else. Because I feel like those two franchises are so iconic. Final Fantasy certainly mm. more than like a dragon, not mm-hmm. to knock that. And I just feel like they're blind spots because everyone's gonna. T- everyone tells me I'd love them, but. I haven't got the time. I think you would love the Yakuza slash like a dragon more than Final Fantasy because that much turn-based combat for you Good would point. make your head bleed. Good point. Yeah. I Where would I, I start? You know, you've been playing all the Final Fantasies. Would I do it in like release order? Would I do it in, you know, there's no necessarily overall canon, mm. but what order would I start you with You still seven? need to do seven. Original seven. Okay. Original PS1 seven is the one that I want you to go through. I okay. want all your thoughts on the story, all the thoughts on the characters, the tone. You'd love the tone. It's got proper horror stuff to it. Well, I PS1 already know. horror. I already know I love the tone yeah. because I loved it in Final Fantasy seven remake and yeah. it looks even more 90s and industrial on the uh, original version. Industrial is a very good word for it. But yeah, I'd still recommend Final Fantasy seven or nine uh, to someone who was approaching the uh, the franchise overall. Play 13 first. Got it. Don't ever do that. That's not, That's you don't add them up. That's mm. not, no, seven and nine <laughs> makes 18, but we'll get there. Question from It's Me, Poolsy Hey, who says, what is the most difficult gameplay type to learn slash master, hack and slash roguelike, top-down fighter, FPS, etc." Oh, great question. For me, it's definitely fighting games. Ah. I have played so many fighting games in my life, mm-hmm. but I would, ne- I never, in none of them, would have ever classed myself as being good at them. Right. Even the ones I played over and over again, like um, Mortal, Con- Mortal Kombat Deception mm-hmm. and Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance, which I probably put a hundred hours into each. <laughs> never actually got good at it. Right. I think fighting games have the ability to be as mainstream and as accessible as possible to get gamers of any skill range and age range, but the skill ceiling on those games mm. baffles my mind. I have trouble learning combos to begin with, 
when you get into stuff like frame data and all of that, I just, <laughs> it's like to me learning a card game. My brain right. starts to cry and I, I, I can't do it. It's why I don't play those fighting games online. And it's why every time you suggest doing like a Street Fighter tournament, yeah. I just say, nah, I'll get my ass kicked. <laughs> I definitely, I personally draw the line at the frame data stuff as well. Um, even though I do occasionally like going into those modes and seeing like, okay, well, this kick is def is always going to hit. Um, or at least I know that by stepping back, I can you know do some sort of longer reaching thing. Um, or this thing's going to be faster. It doesn't matter. My point is that fighting games um, I love, and I like, they're not too bad for me. For me, weirdly, it's um, like RTS stuff. Oh, things yes. where you've got to sit and, and build a base for so long, and then you, re you realize that you're screwed, but you were screwed like 20 minutes ago, and it's like, oh, I should have put the resources here. I should have actually cooked these units more. I should have uh, planned more in general. Um, and I like one of those. I like a, a good RTS every now and then, but I've just never mastered that genre. I always realize that I'm completely effed, but it's like half an hour later, and yeah. I can't do anything about it and I didn't know where I went wrong and I just give up. That would be my number two pick because mm. I'm absolutely the same. There's something generally about games that have a lot of text and a lot of tutorials that I can't really necessarily feel my way through. Okay. I'm sure you probably can with an RTS, but you know, to understand the systems mm. in depth, you're going to have to more or less read about them, right? Or kind yeah. of, you can't really do it through trial and error necessarily. Oh, it would take you a hundred hours. That I have a problem with because I've just got a bad memory and I can't <laughs> retain text uh, very well. Right. But generally, just in my life, like I'm quite a chaotic organized person. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I struggle making tea for myself. Right. I struggle getting, and I shouldn't say this, getting to work on time every single day. It's an absolute... <laughs> I've never noticed this, It's an uphill battle every single day. <laughs> Fortunately, I stay late sometimes to uh, catch it up. Not the point. Uh, don't sue me for that. Don't kill me for that. Don't throw me in jail. Uh, but the point is, because I'm so chaotic in my own life, that transfers over to RTSs where mm. I can't handle all the stimuli going off at once and having to manage all of these different um, systems mm -hmm. on, the, on screen. Did you play any of the army men games on ps2 i did not there's an army men rts that i thought was really good mm. i think it's the only one that i ever really took seriously okay. I, it's only, I guess halo wars one and two but i can still never make them work what do you think this is an issue as well because obviously i i, I assume you like me grew up on console games rather yes. than pc yes and obviously the rts framework it works on consoles but especially back in the day mm. it was a major difficulty in transferring the ui and the, the controls oh, of totally. them rts games over to consoles which sort of set them back in that era, mm -hmm. era, uh, for, I for tell you what, though, um, I remember like young me playing Command and Conquer, and especially Command and Conquer three, like Tiberian Sun, and thinking like, "Oh, this is this looks good. This is great. This is what I want to get lost in." But for whatever reason, that genre just never fully clicked or never made me mm. um, feel like I was mastering it. I do get some satisfaction as the match plays out, where all your little old units, everything's just kind of working and it feels good, and you're mastering it all and whatever. But something always goes wrong. And I remember when we, because we, we were sponsored by the Valiant, we are on various videos and stuff, and trying to play that for the sponsorship. Yeah. And I just couldn't get my head around that stuff at all. And then just getting absolutely destroyed by you and, and Jules. Yes. And I just was like, I don't even know where I went wrong, but my, <laughs> all my dudes are dead. Anyway, next question from, find my notes, uh, GT Hill, who says, is there a game that's widely considered a masterpiece, but it just doesn't vibe with you? Ooh, is there? I'm not entirely sure if there is. I don't know if, uh, that's the thing. It's like, Mm. Like, again, because of my fighting game issue, mm -hmm. I've tried to get into every big Street Fighter game. Couldn't get into Street Fighter 2. In Street Fighter 4 especially, I remember making a conscious decision yeah, to yeah. try to get it. I just couldn't. But I know I couldn't people love... I couldn't with 4, but really? 2 oh, is the okay. two is the one. Nah, see, I was back in the day, I was like, you know, Tekken 3. <laughs> I was early Mortal Kombat. I was looking for that ease, essentially, yeah. you know? I'll tell you what mine is, uh, and this is just going to wound you with Bloodborne. Ow! I just... 
just can't. Just I just I, I've always said it's Dark oh, Souls with a dash. No. I can't. I just I don't see it. I don't see what I, I don't see it. I don't love the art style. I don't love the ah. way it plays. I don't. I, I box this feeling in because the world likes Bloodborne, but it's just it's got, got one of the most boring looking games I've ever seen. That actually hurts. That really hurts. <laughs> I can't believe this is how I'm ending the week getting wounded mortally by you. One of the most oh. boring looking games that hurts. Just oh. all, everything's like dark blue. I'm just like yeah. hey, whatever. Um, the aesthetic of that game hilariously in classic us fashion yeah. is like one of my favorites in gaming <laughs> just the way that game shifts at the halfway mark i'm sure you're annoyed at people uh, shifts talking about that yeah because it kind of transfers from that um bram stoker inspired gothicness to a more lovecraftian kind of cosmic I, do, I like all the bits when you sort of um towards the end of the game you start realizing or you start seeing all the the big beasties all the big beings that were there all along yeah that's cool i like i like all the the makeshift weapon stuff like the sort of like barely you know uh like macgyvered together oh this thing has a a, a bolt action piston thing that's also a blade or whatever yes. it is that's fun but for the love of god oh, i never got bloodborne man that the is the worst from software game no <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, one, there are no bad modern yeah, no, no, no. from software games, but Bloodborne the worst. It's just the one that I was... Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 are worse than Bloodborne. I think I had more fun with them. Dark Souls 3! Dark Souls 3 is like their worst one for me. That's that's madness. Maybe that's maybe that's the one maybe I'll, that's the madness. I'll, I'll, I'll trip down. That's the, the half 4pm madness. The uh, Yeah, I can only say that when I um, played through Bloodborne, I, it was a bit of a slog and it didn't click with me. I just thought it was more of the same and I was bored. Enough, and that you know, weird move you do when you stagger them and you sort of reach into them. That's amazing. What's, what is that? Yeah, you're like pulling their viscera out. You're Nothing they're, comes they're out of soul. it, though. It's like, like blood in it. Is it? <gasps> you just sort of like pull like a bit of their bum out. I just <laughs> don't, it just never looks do. good. I just didn't, Sometimes you do. didn't know what I was doing. Question from Pinky. What's the point of the PlayStation 5 Pro if games can't be optimized right now? Will a Pro make things worse or will the extra power help as a single director's cut mode with all sorts of the trimmings will be the optimal choice? It's tough. It's going to be case by case, I mm. think. It's going to be um, developer by developer to you know see how well they optimize their games now versus mm. how well they're going to do with the brand new machine to optimize for mm-hmm. judging off the pro i would say that things will get better because pro games did run well like they were yeah. nicely optimized there were a lot of you know they weren't completely mind blowing but pro versions often were just like better than the core PS4 versions, mm-hmm. and it was never a case of, like, I don't think causing more issues. This time around, obviously, we've got um, Pro Machines, regular machines, and then the Series S to mm-hmm. take into account. You've got the Switch, you've got PC, um, and based on this year alone, I would say that developers don't need another console to develop for. <laughs> no. You know, you, you go off um, Gotham Knights, you go off Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which were next-gen games, mm-hmm. and they were still really badly optimized. The problem, yeah, the problem with the industry is optimization. It, it's it's time. It's just giving developers time. How many day one patches do we get? How many patches do we get months after release? Jedi Survivor is a really good example of that because they were still patching that thing for two months after launch. Devs need more time, Arthur. Publishers need to be able to uh, give it to them. That's my the, my biggest issue is the organization of it, the idea that we need to adhere to um, shareholders and you know turnarounds and advertising models and everything else. Just give the people who are making the game more time. Like you would hope that at this point, the amount of... Um, high-profile catastrophes there have been would allow the devs and allow the whatever those conversations that need to happen, give the ammo uh, you know, to the devs on that side to say yeah. we do need more time or it's going to be another cyberpunk situation or it's going to be another Redfall or whatever it is. I don't think um, giving them, you know, freeing up the hardware side of it does much of anything if they're still not allowed to actually optimize towards it. Especially when I think the difference between the PlayStation 5 Pro and the PS4 Pro and, you know, obviously Xbox Series X as mm. well back in the day. No, it wasn't called that. Xbox One X back yes. in the day. And um, was 
was that the original, the base versions of those consoles, they weren't tapped out, mm. but they you kind of needed that extra bit mm. of um, horsepower. Whereas this time around, I don't think the PS5 nor the Xbox Series X are anywhere close to being tapped out. No, I don't feel like they've even been tapped in. Absolutely, right? So I, so I don't think the optimization issues come from a lack of you know, under the hood power, unlike the previous generation where I, I, I would probably, I'm not a developer, but it seemed like that was more the case. Mm-hmm. No, I'd, yeah, I'd massively back that. Until I see um, a developer take this all the time in the world, the likes of a Red Dead Redemption 2, where they were sort of, Rockstar have the money, they have the means to to give that game all the time in the world. Until that happens and then we're struggling, then I'm. it's the, it's a time thing. It's, exactly, a, it's yeah. a project thing. Um, question from Lord Koalakanth, who says, do you think smaller AAA games are a sustainable idea? Take all the and spectacle of a Naughty Dog slash Insomniac would focus it into something like a 10-hour experience that can be sold at a lower price or turned around in less time. What's the reason this doesn't happen? Did I write this? Am I <laughs> am I Lord Colacanth? Um No, I don't think it's a... Uh, personally, I don't think... I, I would love that. I think that's the, I think that's the solution to almost everything. Yeah. Smaller projects, more focused ideas, more creative risks, more mechanical variation, more, ident- more identities in gaming, um, more diversity. That That's the solution to everything for me. That's Do away with your stupid quarter a million yeah. eight-hour product productions that can fall on their face at the very last minute and just turn things around in, let's say, a two-year time frame at the most. I mean, I agree as well. Of course, you know, I want shorter games. I want mm-hmm. more focused games. And I think the fact that we had generations to prove that that model worked, I mean, mm-hmm. the 360 generation in particular, that was when the eight to 12-hour campaign kind of became the norm, mm-hmm. I would say, because I'm old enough to remember that when the 360 came around, like the, the games were initially criticized for only being eight hours and then that that just kind of became standard, mm-hmm, right? We were like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, fair enough. And then we moved into the bigger sandbox games towards the end of that generation, mm-hmm. into the PS4 and Xbox One era. Now, I want to say that this is the way forward, but every time I'm online and a game comes out that dares to only be 12 hours, mm. the amount of comments I see from people complaining to me suggests that maybe on a mainstream level, we're not ready to shift back to that because there is, especially now when games are more expensive, when they're $70 mm-hmm. um, rather than 60 I think there is a perceived value in length that will be really difficult to shift because we've spent the last 15 years having that drummed into our brains. And to some gamers, that's just the norm. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I'll tell you the thing, because Cola Camp did say, what's the reason this doesn't happen? Yeah, those expectations, I mean, it's I would have to do a, a much wider sort of deep dive, research deep dive on how we got here, because there is expectations of length that are sort of born from the move from the arcades to the home console. There was like the whole idea that length in video games only came from difficulty, came from trial and error. Like if you got through a lot of early games first time, they'd be like a lot of the early Marios, you can finish them in like an hour, if that. Like, you know, if you're getting those levels right, if you're not failing um, to get through them. And that idea of length just kind of came over time, whether it was like the RPG genre boosting it, and like like I said, the death of trial and error over time, but we kept the idea of length. 
Like, all that stuff, the mentality of how long a game should be, I think is also caught up in um, the conversation around uh, ticket pricing for movies. I forget the name of the dude. Um, this was during the pandemic, I think, maybe slightly before, where there was uh, some uh, economist was just saying that because if you think of a ticket price for a movie being about £10-ish, yeah. um, and that movie being on average an hour and a half, gamers are doing extremely well by their entry points because you can play for like 60, 70, 80 hours. And to this person's argument they should be uh, charging even more and and trying to sort of monetize like on the hour, which is obviously what a lot of AAAs and, and publishers and whatever trying to do now, like yeah. whether it's through skins or level packs or whatever it is. Um, it's just interesting because like, I wouldn't say that games need to be that long. And I remember the thing is on the mainstream, there is a, a game that is too long, like the likes of Dying Light 2, when that was advertised yes. as having like 800 hours of stuff, the push there was pushback to that. And it's like, okay, so we, we don't want infinite games. People do still want to finish stuff. Um, or at least, like, know what they're getting in a quantifiable sense. Yeah. Like, if you told someone you're buying an infinite game that you'll never see all of, they wouldn't want it. I mean, what did I say at the very start of this podcast mm. about Final Fantasy and Like a Dragon just being slightly too long mm. in totality for me to kind of finally justify sitting down and putting the time into them, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's it's a big ask, especially in the current climate. And I don't know, I just think about, like, the studios we now view as iconic. Mm. A lot of them made their names on making these shorter AAA titles, yeah. like eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours. Like, you know, I know Bungie in my in Halo obviously had the multiplayer component, but the original campaigns mm. were so beloved. Part of why people were queuing up for Halo 3 to finish the fight, you mm-hmm. know? You've got Naughty Dog, you've got Insomniac, you've got a whole bunch more Rocksteady with the Arkham trilogy, making totally. these tight, focused what you would call now short games, mm-hmm. and yet people lap them up, people love them, it made those uh, developers household names. Mm-hmm. And plus another like side of the, you know, what's the reason that it doesn't happen is that a lot of the bigger publishers want to bet big. They want to put as much money into it you know, and get as much of a return as possible. And and these days put some sort of monetizable element in there that'll hook you in for even longer. They, you know, they're not in the business of doing the smaller stuff, which I do think is why it's worth commending uh, EA Originals, like or EA mm. in general for doing the Originals program that then birthed um, Unravel it takes to A Way Out and Immortals of Avium. They are all much smaller games than the likes of an EA Ultimate Team's FIFA thing that just goes on forever. Honestly, do you know what? This is an opinion in progress. I've just pulled this out of my backside (laughs) right now, but my working theory after this five-minute discussion Mm. is that the Order 1886 might have killed the idea of this because that was... A lushly produced five-hour game. And Mm. all anyone talked about when that game released, it wasn't, I know people had issues with the gameplay and and some of the uh, werewolf fights, but the main talking point was like, how can they get away selling this when it's only five hours? And back then, I was also agreeing like that. Mm. Like, that's crazy Mm -hmm. for a full-price release. Um, And since then, I do think we've seen Sony in particular pivot away from that, even their previous 8 to 12 hour games like Uncharted then became 15 to 20 hour games Mm. and they started pivoting towards slightly longer experiences that aren't completely bloated but you know you get God of War and you get God of War Ragnarok Mm. that are close to 20 hours and you can feel that I would say you can feel the padding in those games right like um, like for me I think you can feel the padding towards the end where it's just like most of the narrative beats are coming together but we're then going to spend like 5-10 hours doing something else Yeah, like all the stuff with the crater uh, the crater section in Ragnarok it's the best gameplay in that whole game 
But uh, if you do that towards the end, you can break the whole story by doing that. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense that they would go and do that then. Um, but yeah, things like that, where it's just sort of like, there's, no, there's an assumption of length that has to be there for a certain price tier. Um, and I think some of that gets handed down from the publishers because they want to charge a premium price for it. Yes. So it's like, drag this out, make this longer. Um, but the idea of a game overall being long, like I said, I think it comes from the trial and error, um, the crossover from the arcade mentality to the home mentality and maintaining that um, amount of time that you would put into the game. There's a whole thing about the mentality of rentals that's hung up in there and um, about how they how much they wanted to charge for rentals because that was replicating the uh, arcade, you know, uh, coin in the slot thing. Yeah. Um, and they want to make sure that you don't finish the game, that you rent it again. There's all sorts of nefarious BS in terms of why games are that long at the beginning, and we've largely just held on to it. I wonder if um, gaming subscriptions are going to change this, because, again, mm. to contrast Sony's $70 approach for first-party titles to Xbox's this-will-be-on-game-pass-day-one approach, mm. to me, the value difference there suggests that Microsoft could, quote-unquote, get away uh but uh, with pivoting towards shorter games totally. because the excuse will always be, well, they're on Game Pass yep. and, you know, you're only really playing £15 a month to experience this, so mm -hmm. it's fine if it's only seven hours, eight hours or nine hours where Sony now have kind of dug themselves into a hole where they're always going to have to justify that $70 price point, mm -hmm. be it with length or quality or scope or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're always going to need something a little bit special to justify paying that little bit extra, mm -hmm. whereas on Microsoft's side, you can you can jump into the camp. Uh, camp I'm right in saying this, right? You can jump into the campaign for Halo Infinite because it's on Game Pass. You oh, yeah. Jump into yeah, yeah, Gears yeah. 5 because mm -hmm. it's on Game Pass. I can jump into Starfield, which is going to be like 100 hours in length <laughs> on Game Pass, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's just like, it's always that thing where the proof's in the pudding in terms of are people coming away from this, talking about it, going online with, with positivity, like saying, oh my God, you need to try this. Or does the length of it get in the way? Does it feel like you've been shortchanged? <laughs> That's my phone on the floor. <laughs> Your phone has quit this podcast. Um, yeah, I think it's always going to come down to does it feel like a recommendable thing? Because um, sometimes you get like short seasons of great TV, like The Bear. Yes. I always remember um, Ricky Gervais talking about the first season of The Office. He's like, oh, it's a really meaty, tightly written comedy that they specifically made that short because you're going to go back and watch it over and over again and notice things that you didn't before. And I think you can apply that to games entirely. Something like Game Pass um, promotes that. You, know, you might as well replay that game over and over again. And we did as kids. We replayed those um, early games over and over again. Um, question from Elfar Oliver who says, favorite YouTuber slash reviewer that isn't what culture? So often we recommend or plug people that they always forget. Recommendation. You re you messaged me last night with a nine-hour recommendation. I certainly did. Shout out to Noah Caldwell Gervais. Yeah, Noah Caldwell Gervais is doing some incredible stuff. I wish I could write anywhere near as <laughs> well as that guy does. He puts out these like long retrospectives often. He's just dropped a Fallout one that goes through all those um all those games. His mm -hmm. Resident Evil uh, big deep dive is about eight hours. I think I devoured that more or less in one go. I've re-watched <laughs> re it. I've re-watched that insane, video. You're insane, And I will re-watch it for a third time because I just love his analysis. I love his writing and I like his delivery. I think mm -hmm. it's really great. Um, I would definitely recommend him. He's called Noah Caldwell Gervais. And mm -hmm. another person that I always, I always end up shouting him out on this podcast because I find his videos really inspiring is um, Jacob Geller, who okay. does a similar thing, much shorter, more like 20 to 40 minute videos. But again, really insightful analysis into mm -hmm. games that uh, you've heard of and also games that you've never heard of. He's like 
the guy who always puts me on stuff, you know, right, okay. I, I, how, many, how many times I've come in, come in this podcast being like, I watched this video essay on this game and then <laughs> I ended up playing it. It was really good. And it so, changed yeah. my life. Those two for me. I will, I'll shout out Racevic, um, who does, it's just spelled R-A-Y-C-E-V-I-C-K. I think it's pronounced Racevic or Racevic, um, who does a lot of, does this game hold up? Playing, you know, playing Halo 5 X many years later, does X game hold up so many years later? And I just, I love that style of content. I love mm. an, analyzing whether game mechanics are, you know, closer to being timeless or was something of a time or how did a franchise pan out after this big experiment that happened with one particular installment? Um, Super Bunny Hop, um, which I haven't watched in quite a while, but Bunny Hop stuff on Metal Gear I love. Yes. Um, just like retrospectives, analyzing stuff, bringing in wider sort of research and education on a lot of the topics and themes that Metal Gear was touching on anyway, now in um, a world that has way more information than it did back when those games first released yeah. um, to analyze them in a much wider sense. Bunny Hop was, um, when I was playing games in like, you know, 2010, mm. I didn't necessarily have the same relationship with it that you did where I, if I recall like you were like a big into like Giant Bomb and had like those yeah. people you followed mm-hmm. like I didn't follow totally. anyone like I watched reviews but I, I knew the outlets and not the people you know mm. so I would watch IGN reviews I would watch game trailers reviews but like I didn't have that group of people who talked about it like I read magazines now and then but uh. I wasn't in that kind of like journalistic circle or critical circle right, right. so it was getting into Super Bunny Hop just randomly on YouTube that kind of like almost opened a door to mm. video game analysis that I didn't even realize was happening. Right. Like I was big into film at the time and I was big into film journalism. I was about to do a film degree. So I knew that that existed for that art form, mm. but to realize that stuff was happening in games, it just made me think about them in entirely different ways. So totally. yeah, definitely would shout Super Bunny up. Yeah, and I, yeah, I came up on um, GameSpot. I was confused with GameStop in my brain, but yeah, GameSpot, which became Giant Bomb, which right. has now become Next Lander, and then Jeff Gersman splitting off by himself. Um, but yeah, massive shout out to all those people. There's not really that many that I go to on like a weekly basis. It tends to be whatever the topic is. Mm. Um, I'm re- re- remembering the act man occasionally has like good re- Perspective stuff on Halo um, and his stuff on Diablo 4 has been really good as well, putting the time in to research those topics really well. Um, but yeah, question from Jacob Sawyer who says, how do you think the Game Awards this year will shake out? Also, have a great weekend and thank you for all you do. I've been a fan for about six years now. Wow. That's incredible, you. man. Thank you very, very much to Jacob Sawyer. Um, the Game Awards are going to be very messy this year. It is. Do you, th- do you think Zelda's still going to sweep it? I nah. think I think Starfield takes it. Uh, I don't, well, oh, Baldur's. No, it's Baldur's. Oh, you it's Baldur's. really funny. It's Baldur's. As we record this, Starfield reviews have dropped as of five minutes ago. Have they really? So I'm going to make a claim and say that it definitely has a... an option to win. But I think you're right. I think Baldur's is going to be the one. I Mm. feel like that has just sweeped the critical um, consensus. I think it's a hit with fans. It's a surprise commercial success. Mm -hmm. Baldur's, I think, has the ability to clinch it from Zelda. If Baldur's feels like it's had this unbelievable, it has that right level of uh, fan meets critic recommendation where it's like everyone is just singing about it. Like main channel's Adam Strawn that we um, sit with when we're up in the office is just every day, all day long, Baldur's Gate. And he's waiting, he's counting down the days till we can experience it on um, console as well. But it is just one of those releases that I feel like had everything right. Um, Starfield's kind of fascinating because as I'm Googling stuff for the reviews, um, mixed headlines over there. But really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and, uh, and delve into that stuff properly. But um, but yeah, overall, I don't, I don't think the standard Nintendo rule holds true this year. Mm. Um, it's nearly always the case that a new Nintendo game just sweeps, like obviously with them, Breath of the Wild and everything. But I mean, maybe I'm just speaking more personally, but I wasn't that wowed by Tears of the Kingdom. And I don't think up against the likes of Starfield, if it does pull things off, or Baldur's, um, I don't think it, I mean, maybe it stands a chance. The physics physics system's cool. I think it definitely stands a chance, but Mm. I I, I don't know. I'm I'm not 
I, I don't know how they're going to vote, but I feel like it is a, maybe a little bit too familiar. Like, it's great, yes, but yes. it's it's very much a sequel to Breath of the Wild, whereas Baldur's Gate, obviously, that's a sequel as well, but mm. feels a little bit more fresh, feels a little bit like it's bringing a niche subgenre kicking and screaming, like, into <laughs> the mainstream and proving, like, acting as a beacon to what people like me have been missing yeah. out on if that makes sense. I'll also say as well that for Tears of the Kingdom I find that everyone who shared clips from it it was either from the PC build where they hacked it to free up a lot more of the building components um, or, or as well as it was all taking place in the first field you land in after the initial Sky Islands yeah. I didn't see any discussion I didn't see any spotlighting of that game as a whole it was look how crazy this physics model is and look how much we had to hack it to be able to build the big mechs and the crazy builds and everything else you can't do those in the game for did yeah. ages 50 60 it takes forever to get enough power cells to do anything like that and barely then would you even have the resources to do so <laughs> it's like it's a really fun minecraft adjacent shareable meme thing but i don't think um that's actually going to transfer over to wall to wall you know front to back quality yeah. like assumedly Baldur's or starfield does well he's my other question have mm. there been any indie games this year that could be a surprise contender you know how it takes two came out a few years ago i know it's mm. indie originals but you know what i mean indie adjacent something that isn't big and triple a and kind of sweeping all the headlines like immortality last year or tunic not yet like i mean i think like the likes of like humanities on the map but there's not so far i've not seen anything where it's like oh my god this story oh my god you need to play this just remembered sea of stars got like 95 on metacritic sea of stars is doing very very well i mean I, i'm only like about three hours into that game and yeah. it's yet to blow me away on a narrative level gameplay presentation music gorgeous but the story's not up there yet do you think final fantasy 16 has a chance at all I don't. I think that's mm. a very, like, I love that game. And, like, I'm so, I just gush about that thing. And I made that whole video about why it's genius or whatever. And I love my time with that. That's my personal game of the year so far. But I don't think that, um, like, if I'm being more objective or whatever it is from a collective critical point of view, I don't think that game's crafting systems or, mm. like, approach to side missions, pacing, uh, pays off. I think you have to sort of more subjectively get on board with what it's trying to do and fill some of the gaps in yourself and then it clicks and it did for me. Yeah. But I think you have to put up with quite a lot if you're the average player or the yeah. average critic or something. I wonder if Spider-Man 2 ends up having a chance because right Maybe. now it feels like in a good way like mm. more of the same but I wonder if it has the the special sauce to uh, <laughs> to allow it to stand out and go toe-to-toe with the biggest of the Yeah. Year. Keely tends to have, I know that obviously you've been on the panel before as well, like there is like that whole thing where he tends to, he reaches out to critics and it's a collect it's a critical vote it's not necessarily influenced by popularity or whatever it yes. tends to be specific outlets being asked what they think um, and i think through that lens it's it's more likely to be a boulder's gate or something like that this big meaty thing that was like this insane uh level of video game design that was pulled off mm. as opposed to like spider-man is spidey 2 is more spider-man Tears of the Kingdom, in the best way possible, is more Breath of the Wild with a really cool physics model on top of it. Um, something else that shows what a game can be. I think that's yeah. more like Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Or maybe Starfield, we don't know yet. We don't. Um, but there's a, there's, uh, we'll find out after this launch weekend how impressive Starfield really is. It would be, uh, to me, it would be it would be beating expectations if Starfield is like a top two contender. Mm. Just because, not because I think it's going to be bad, just this year's been so strong. Yeah. And it already feels like Zelda and Baldur's is kind of running away with it, like you said. It would mm-hmm. be, like Starfield would have to be special. So. I wonder if because um, for the start of the year you've got Resident Evil 4 and Diablo up there as well yes. and I think Hi-Fi Rush will not take the game of the year but I think that'll take some sort of like debut best game or something like that Yeah. Um, but yeah th- th- it's it's one of those years where you can't call it and that's one of the most fun things to, to go into Street Fighter 6 as well people yeah. love that you know there's been a lot of big games 
best multiplayer, I guess, for that. Yeah. In terms of how tight it is, because that's you were talking about frame data and the specifics and, and the, the, like fighting games online in the modern day. Street Fighter Six is the is emblematic of that. It's yes. online multiplayer is so so good. Um, but yeah, we uh, apologize for a slightly shorter untitled banter podcast, but we'll get back to you next week. For now, this has been the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. UBP. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you, and thank you all once again for sending in all your questions. Thank you so much. Have a lovely weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Bye bye.